Welcome to One Man's Ethos. Today, Tony welcomes Todd Hartley, founder and CEO at Wirebuzz. For more information on Todd, please visit wirebuzz.com. This is One Man's Ethos, the Tony Mandarich Podcast. Welcome to the One Man's Ethos podcast. This is Tony Mandrich, and I have a special guest today. People that I usually bring people on that, well, not usually, I always bring people on that I f- find interesting. Um, and not just interesting, but people that are super interesting to me and people that I see changing people's lives. Um, and they're not all about the bottom line of revenue or the bottom line of what's in it for me or the bottom line of whatever the case may be. Um, so that's why the subject matter will go from sports to photography, to business, to anything. And, uh, it's, it's who I find interesting. And this guy, this gentleman, Todd Hartley, um, and I met probably 12, 13 years ago, we were having, uh, I think lunch maybe once a month, uh, with another friend of ours who ran on a search engine, uh, optimization company. And, uh, at that time, Todd was starting uh, Wirebuzz, which is the company he owns now and runs, and, uh, and kind of specific to video and storytelling, marketing and stuff. It was definitely a niche, uh, an area to go down. Um, and here's the best part for me. Here's where I get excited is we would meet, and the reason we would meet once a month is we would pick each other's brains on what's going on because you know, Arnie, the other gentleman that we met with was, I mean, he was strictly by the book. I was strictly just off center of the book and Todd was in a niche. He knew what he wanted. He saw the vision of where he felt it was going and I felt it was going too, but I wasn't compelled by it. Uh, but he ended up picking the niche, uh, the niche of, you know, going down the video marketing route and, and obviously knowing that that's gonna expand into other uh, you know, subcultures of the video. But um, before I even talk anymore, I mean, the guy's great. His wife, Wendy, is, is, is fantastic. Uh, Scott, I mean, uh, Todd wouldn't be, uh, we all know Todd wouldn't be who he is without Wendy. I mean, let's just right. be straight up. And then, <laughs> <It's the truth. laughs> I mean, there, there's a lot of truth to that yep. because beside every great man, there's a great woman. Yep. You know, she ain't behind. In my opinion, she's beside you, and she, whether she's whether it's a woman beside me or beside any man, um, so I always like to use that phrase that they're beside us and, and supporting us, and we're supporting them. But Todd, welcome to the podcast. It's my pleasure. This is a lot of fun. You know, we had a phone call the other day where we were talking on cell phones, and the two of us every time we talk, it's free flowing. We never know where it's going. It often touches places that are more uh, personal and intimate, and discovering of ourselves as we're maturing than it really is about business. And that's so rare and so cool. And I sat in the car in Arizona with my air conditioning on and we just chatted it up and it was awesome. Right, right. And the time was like, you know, 45 minutes went by and yeah. it felt like five, it felt, well, it felt like 10 minutes. Right. And it was, uh, and I hadn't, we hadn't spoken probably in eight or nine months, maybe a year. Yeah. Uh, where I had, I think a client that was needed some video work yeah. or something. and. 
So, but we picked up conversation like we had talked the day before. Right. And that's just kind of how the relationship's been. And as, as those 12 years have gone on since we had first met, one of the coolest things for me was to watch your company grow. Thank you. And, and, and watch it grow into something that is what I would call international. I mean, international tier and tier one quality of content and tier one as far as reputation. Um, the you. fact that I know you, okay, so I can vouch for um, and be like, no, these are real people. They, you know, are after the right things for the person, They're, whether it's their client or whether it's their friend or whether whoever it is, if it's not even, not even business related, whatever it is, they're about doing the right thing. Mm -hmm. And that's the stuff, that, or those are the people I want to surround myself with. It's part with. of the ethos. Exa exactly, right. right. Well said. Um, and uh, so... It's been amazing to watch it grow. The other amazing thing for me is that it's not a thousand person company, mm -hmm. which I love that it's not because you've been like, and you've had the choice of where it could be a thousand person company right. and it could have offices all over the country or the world. It doesn't sound appealing to me at all. No, it, it sounds like more work. <laughs> right. It sounds like more babysitting. It sounds like a lot of babysitting. Right. Like in this company right here, we do in one year 3,000 client videos a year. So I had to have the conversation a couple of years ago of, hey, are we striving to do 9,000? Right. Or are we trying to do 3,000 that do even get even better results for people? And so we made the, the determination that we wanna be a, a company that just crushes it for our clients. We really love serving. And this may say, sound corny to people, but I know you well enough, Tony, where I know you get it. I love servicing and serving people. And in the process of that, we've never even, we haven't lost a client right. since we got started. Right. And uh, and I think that's just because of our, uh, we just have a, a love to do our work and to help people exceed. Yeah, and, and, and really, you know, that's, uh, unfortunately, that's yeah. the minority of businesses. Um, it really is. It's, I would say it's less than 50% of the businesses. Now, granted, you're an entrepreneur. It's your company. It's your name. You know, that's right. You know, the, com the buck stops with you. If somebody messes up, if somebody does great, it's good job team. Right. Right. So, but not many companies are like that. As you get old, as I get older, I start to see a lot more things. Why? Because I experience a lot more things with different people who says one thing does another who says one thing does another and thinks a third, right? right. And it's like, I wanna get on the same page with the person that right. says, okay, what's this, what's your end game? And, and then let's go from there, you know what I'm saying? So I'll have people, like I had people when I would be working out at the gym, right. six days a week. I was one of your spotters. It would take exactly. seven right. dudes to spot this guy. <laughs> this is guy. not true. <laughs> <laughs> this wasn't even true back in the day. <laughs> it only took four. <laughs> but there there are people that um that i've seen you work with where i've seen uh you you guys basically like okay what is the end game like right. the, to me that's like the first question i ask my clients right. whether it's photography whether it's business but i'd be at the gym and i would have you know i kind of stay to myself if i saw you obviously i'd interact or just right. wave or whatever but i would kind of have my hat down my headphones you mean on business. and i was like there for a purpose my time is limited and it wasn't that I wanted to be rude to people. I was always, you know, conscious of, you know, acknowledging somebody if they wanted to approach me, but I would have people approach me. There was a demographic of people, men, 
I would say between the ages of 22, 23 to about 45, right. that would approach me and say, and I could see them approaching me, so I would take my headphones off and they'd be like, do you mind if I ask you a question? And I'd be like, no, shoot. And I wouldn't give them the, the warning about whatever you, be careful what you ask because you'll get the right, you'll get the you'll real get the answer. answer. It'll shock <laughs> right. you, but it's gonna so, be real. So, so a lot of them would say, okay, so as far as chess goes for chess workout, I do like four sets of 10 on bench. Am I working out correctly? And I just sit there and I look at them puzzled. Mm -hmm. and, I, and I say to them, I say, it depends. Mm -hmm. What are you trying to achieve? Right. What do you want to look like? Do you want to build strength? Do you want to be a bodybuilder? Do you want to be a power lifter? Do you want you know, to lose weight, leaner muscle? Right. There's all these variables that matter, right. right? So it's like I ask them, well, what do you want? What do you want to look like? What's the purpose of your lifting? Is it for high school football? Or is it for, you know, you, do you want to look like a guy on men's health? Right. Or do you want to look like the guy like in the bodybuilding magazines? But it, I would imagine that you have people and you'll- All day long. You'll enjoy this. Yeah. That'll say, what's the magic number of time for a video? Yes. <laughs> right? All day long. And that's why when we talked on the phone, <laughs> I, I said, I said, Hey Todd, I know we haven't talked in a while. I've been out of the kind of like video game yeah. and stuff. But what's the magic number like for conversion on video, knowing that yeah. there isn't one? Right. It, and it depends. It depends. It, and there is one actually, probably for certain platforms. Yeah. And it's probably within a certain time frame. And yeah. that's all done per product and all these variables that are involved. Right. Platform, product. It's a lot like going to the gym and getting the right pecs. You right. gotta figure out what the end goal is, exactly. what are you trying to accomplish, and then deal with the strategy once you understand the goal. And I think you're right. When you meet with people and it doesn't matter what business you're in, if you're trying to serve them, you have to be obsessed with helping them achieve their goal. Yes. They're and and they're and make it realistic for them. Yeah. Because I've had people drop their jaws when they were like, it's gonna cost how much? Right. And I said, well, if this is what your expectation is, I can, I can share with you, this is what the industry standard average is, and this is what I charge. And, and that might be, that charge might be less than the industry standard or more, depending on what service it is. Whether it's public speaking, doesn't matter what it is. But some people, especially in the internet marketing business, mm -hmm. And you know, especially when you and I got started. Right. When we got started, it was so wild west. It was wall. That it was none Walmart. of us knew it, yeah, what it, pricing was. Right. 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 And it was like little packages of you know, banner ads. Yeah. Or, or <laughs> I, I probably got you know I'm 20. This is my 21st year in digital marketing. I probably have a good seven or eight years in the start of my career when digital marketing was being born, when it wasn't even a term or an industry, and businesses were 100% sure they didn't need you. Um, I probably have about seven or eight years that were undercapitalized tremendously, right. where not only was I running digital at iHeartRadio for seven of their largest national talk shows, but I was waiting tables at night because uh. I had no clue what what the price of my services were until, the value. Yeah, yeah, until I just kept hitting home run after home run after home run, and then I got a little ballsy. And then what I realized was it wasn't ballsy at all, it was actually industry rates. Yeah, and that's what the value you brought to the table. Yeah. Yeah, and there's a lot of people that are afraid yeah. to say that number because they're like, I'm, I'm gonna lose a client. Right. 
But I always say to myself, the way I would do it is I would always say to myself, okay, how many years have I put in this? How have I progressed? How, how good do I think is my work? How much effort do I put into my work? Yeah. All these things, as a photographer, I can tell you this, honestly, and I, and I say this to people all the time, the least amount of time I spend in photography is behind the camera. Mm -hmm. It's all in prep, it's in dialogue, it's in the building rapport. I build rapport with people before they even know it by calling them saying, so tell me what you want. Right. I'm already building rapport, right. okay? Even though I'm information gathering, I'm building rapport, getting to know them, letting them get to know me. I wanna kinda feel them out as far as like, what's their kind of boundary for certain things as far as language goes or whatever. I feel, and I, I feel lucky this way, and I've had such a, you know, a lot of highs and a lot of lows in life, which I'm grateful for because it gives me perspective, that I feel I can shoot, photo shoot a six-year-old person and an 86-year-old person on the same day and totally yep. be able to be relevant and talk to them like I was their age or appropriately talk to them. Right. You know, obviously I wouldn't say yes ma'am to the six-year-old, right. but I would to the 86-year-old, you know? You know, but to the six-year-old, they'd be like, hey, kiddo, you know, or this or that, or, you know, it just all depends on what the kid's personality is like. Um, and I, I'm sure you run into a lot of that with your business. Yeah, it's super important. Like for me, one of the, one of the easiest ways that I develop rapport is I'm really comfortable switching gears into personal. I'm not prying, but I'm engaging and having a normal conversation and what makes them tick? What are they doing on the weekend? And so on, and before I know it, I've got a, I've got a familiarity with them where it feels like, cause my, I'm gonna get better results. I'm gonna deliver at a much higher level for people if I have a connection to them. I totally agree. Right? right. I mean, this, you're the same way. Right, this person actually is asking and actually is interested yeah. in my life. Right. And, and the, I've seen you do it and I do it and it doesn't come across as prying. Right. It comes across as I'm interested and actually we are. We are interested in what you're doing, you know, and it's like, why am I here? Because I'm interested to know more about how you got to this point kicking ass. I got my ass kicked a lot. And so uh, tell me about the biggest ass kicking adversities where the, you learned the yeah. most. Cause I, in my experience, my own personal life experience, the bigger the ass kicking, the greater the reward at the end. I totally agree. I totally agree. So. You know, right now I'm preparing a webinar for the University of Arizona Alumni Association about overcoming adversity. And I just before we met up today, I was on telling them about these stories. And I, I grew up with really bad learning disabilities, ADD, dyslexia, visual and auditory perception impairments. So just on the, the in perception impairments, if I'm reading from a book, I will pull words from other lines or paragraphs and jam them into the sentence that right. I'm reading, which will screw up the whole context. Right. And so I struggled with that miserably. I was in all the slow kid classes growing up. I was humiliated inside mm -hmm. because here I am on the playground. I'm, uh, I'm one of the more athletic kids. I'm always going to be one of the funnier ones, really witty. But in the classroom, I was with all the, I wasn't with the normal kids. Right. I was with the slow kids. And I knew in my heart that I had, I had a lot to offer, but I couldn't put it together in the classroom. And I, I was, I had issues with 
um, going up and asking a hot girl to go on a date with me because in my brain, the limiting belief was she's not going to be interested in me. Well, you're not good enough. I'm not good enough. Or why would she want to date me and potentially uh, be in a relationship with me because, you know, I'm slow. And like all this BS stuff that years it felt like put me behind. Right. And then at some point, as I started to get help from legitimate professionals, my Mm -hmm. parents never gave up on me and they always made sure that I didn't go without having some type of a specialist to work with me. Right. And then I got accepted to the nation's leading academic support program for students with learning disabilities at the University of Arizona, which is exactly where my parents went to school. And they had just opened up this center and their learning specialists spent four years unraveling my issues Hmm. and then helped me come up with my own strategic alternative learning techniques which I still use to this day and I put in my reps like massive freaking reps to the point where nobody would ever know that I used to struggle with those things I would never know and I could get up on when I was a talk show host on KTAR just three years or four years after leaving the U of A I couldn't read out loud back then but the reps and the training they put me in got me to the point where I was a talk show host at 26 and people would hand me breaking news on a printout and in my head I was like, no, don't, yeah, total anxiety. And the next thing you know, I'm like, boom, I'm knocking that thing down like a trained radio professional and then in the middle of reading breaking news that I'm seeing cold, I'm saying, dude, can you believe you're doing this right now in front of all of these people? And then, you know, once you overcome a major fear or a limitation in your life, after a while, that's like a rocket on your back yeah. and you're like, nothing can stop me. Yeah. And before you know it, you're just like, you know, you finding sh- yourself yeah. and discovering You start to it. expect it. Yes. Yeah, and then you start to demand it out of yourself. That's right. And that all, and a lot of that, and I'll always go back when things start to screw up or not or aren't going smooth, right? And they don't have to be major, but if I can start to see things starting to kind of veer and not go smooth, I immediately, default to fundamentals Mm -hmm. so those four things that you mentioned is that sports training i believe it is i believe it it, i believe it is that and experience yeah okay of experience of i remember playing at the meadowlands against the jets me too and we got our asses kicked and i knew sitting on that bus getting ready to go to the airport from the meadowlands waiting for you know more guys to, to get on the bus so we go to the airport and fly back to indy I knew that the next week was going to be blo- uh, blocking and tackling. Right. And here we are, pros, getting paid enormous amounts of money. So, you know, a m- lot of them, a lot of them not, but I knew that we were going back to fundamentals yeah. to blocking and tackling. And we'd be like, what the heck? I mean, we're, we're pros, pros right? right? We know this. You learn this. I, no, back to fundamentals. Right. And that's something you learn. Actually, I learned that in college because they did it in college too under George Perlis with Michigan mm-hmm. State. Where did he come from? Pittsburgh, Steelers, four Super Bowl rings in the right. 70s, right? So it all comes from somewhere. And that to me is a blue collar way of thinking. Mm-hmm. It's fundamental. It doesn't mean that you can't be a white collar job and do it, it, but it always comes back to fundamentals. You'll always hear, I always hear the word fundamentals in when they talk about like Wall Street stuff. Go back to the technicals, go back to the fundamentals, don't go on momentum. Definitely don't go on emotion. Right. Right. In yeah. anything, really. Yep. It's like let that emotion pass and then see how you feel. You know, think it through. Where 
that was an obstacle for me to overcome. Mm -hmm. Don't make that decision on emotion. Definitely don't open your mouth Right. When you're in emotion, dude, no <laughs> doubt. I was watching the, I was watching your E60, and oh, I, I was like, "No way!" He just said that. But, but to preface that, that was probably something that I'd said in '89. Right, 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 no right. Doubt. right. I mean, no doubt. But you had your own Bosworth. Oh moments, my gosh! Right, like it right. was like. Um, but, but you have all of that young testosterone and confidence yeah. and, and some like, extra dude, like, <laughs> some extra and if somebody put a mic in front of me at that age yeah. i would have said a ton of dumb things yeah i said some pretty stupid stuff we though all <laughs> we all have we just unfortunately it was in we public just didn't have the news there <laughs> right 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 thank god that the internet wasn't around I mean, compared to what some right. of these, and it's not just play, uh, in athletes, your head. But, you're like, there's less, oh, there's less YouTube videos of that than right, it would be. Right, now, right, right, exactly. And the videos that are, they're off of uh, standard def. Right, right. So eventually, <laughs> people are going to be like, I can't even see that. You know, Do you ever? Okay, I get my 4K TV three, four years back. Yeah, and then like certain stations still had not changed to even 1080p, like just regular HD. Right. And they were like the older stations and I'd look at them and I'd be like, I can't believe I used to watch this. And this was the standard right. and it was acceptable. And now I'm like, I felt like a spoiled brat. I was <laughs> like, this is not good enough you for me. I'm, I'm a 4K snob, <laughs> right? Soon to be an 8K snob, <laughs> right? When they start doing that. But um, so those four fundamentals that you mentioned that you learned yeah. at Arizona, I'm sure you carry those daily. I do it every day. Right. And on top of it, I do it with our, on our clients because all I'm doing is coming up with their strategic alternative techniques to achieve their goals. And optimization is a big part of it. Right. So, I mean, here I am. Look, you and I have a connection in search. And when we were getting started in search engine optimization, we would look at the data, which is a lot like me growing up playing baseball, watching video of the mm -hmm. ball hitting my bat. I'm looking at the data. I'm, I'm make you looking at film. Yeah. Same and thing. I'm making my modifications based on what the audience is saying when they go through the content. It's the same thing, right. but it's a never ending quest to be either the best version of yourself or your campaign or your content to be the best version of itself. Right, because it's constantly evolving because things are changing. Yeah. And in and into actual present day, things are changing by the hour. Quickly. You know, and it's like if you can't roll with the changes, that's gonna it's gonna start to separate who's rolling with the changes and who's kind of like, you know, not wanting to or just not savvy enough to. Can I give you an adversity? Please. Okay, let's talk about COVID real quick. When uh, COVID got started, the at the at the very beginning- Is that the Chinese virus? It is the Chinese virus. <laughs> it's so funny. <laughs> so when COVID got started, right around the time where everybody was going into slow-mo and they're gonna sit on their couch and take a bong hit and drop out for a week. Right. That's right when I got a, a message from Tony Robbins to create, it asked me if I could create a series of training videos for his, for his clients on how to sell remotely in this new world, which is my expertise. So instead of running around looking for toilet paper and trying to hoard it, <laughs> I had smoke coming out of my ears writing a Tony Robbins thing because I, I got less than a week deadline to create the course to create the videos for the course and I went into full on production mode. Right. And that adversity was really interesting because normally I'd have a team of people. I'd say, hey, what do you think about this? But now it's just me right. cranking and 
I think that those, if I look back, the moments in my life that are the most uh, exciting, the ones that I draw reference on are the ones where I'm going through crisis mm -hmm. or struggle and I'm coming out the other end like a champion. Right. And for me, those are like, you know, like a lot of people said to me, like, dude, why don't you push them back a little bit? Say, oh, I'm, I probably need, I probably need 10 days, not a week. I probably need right. two weeks, you know? And for me, I loved the challenge of how I could be as efficient as possible in order to hit that deadline. Right. And I know inside of you, yeah. you've got that same type of competitive streak. And that's what, and that, that's I think one of the unique things about you. Um, and, you know, and I know Wendy's is probably the same way. Like yes. by default, she's like, how can I not capitalize, but what can I do to maximize yes. my time with this, with these boundaries now? Nonstop and at our door, we have, before you leave our house, you'll see um, there's a plaque from 1986 from um, Wendy's, Wendy's High School. And um, that plaque's from the track team and she got the award for the uh, maximum effort of the oh, year. Okay. And that's the coach that told Wendy that she was not an athlete. Uh -huh. And she said to the coach, I'll show you what an athlete looks like. Right. And if you see Wendy today, for those of oh you who haven't gosh. met her, Wendy is jacked. She's like the, her yeah. arms are cut and yep. on any given day, she will out hustle yep. you. She will, and it's, a, and so every time we walk out the door, we say, I love you. But when the door's closing, <laughs> one of us will scream through the door, maximum effort. Right. <laughs> And the two of us really don't need a lot of motivation. Right, right. pretty self-motivated. Yeah, right, right. So like that's one of right. our things, man. I love right. that. Right. Even the neighbors when they see us, sometimes we're getting into the car. We're like, maximum effort. <laughs> it's so, a movement. It's a movement. <laughs> Hashtag maximum effort. Yeah. Right. And I was like, do you want? I said to her the other day. That's like Wendy doesn't. <laughs> Wendy doesn't have like a vindictive bone in her body, but I was like, hey, um, we, that coach has, came up, and I said, why don't we go on Facebook and you'll see what that coach. Let's see what that coach right, looks like right, today. Right, see right, what an athlete right. looks like. And she's like, oh, I don't have any need to do that. Right. She's much more mature than I am. Way more mature than <laughs> <Yes>. I am. <laughs> I mean, I've learned to let go of grudges. And yeah. I've learned to like, because I ask myself, if I'm gonna give yeah. some attention to this or address this thing that happened years ago, whatever it is, I have to be willing to make amends for my wrong action. It's important. Right, it's important. And for me, it's survival because of my 12-step program and right. it's like doing the right thing. It's basically, people get afraid of that phrase, 12-step program. It's basically a guide on how to live. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's more or less. It's stuff we should have been taught anyway in the Always, first place. Right. right, it's just a fundamental way to live. It's not a religion, it's not a cult. It's, it could be called an ethos. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's how you live. What's your ethos is how I live. Is, is it's not, you know, a lot of people will say, what's your religion? I'll be like, well, I was, you know, born and raised Catholic. And, but, you know, I guess my religion is really how I live yeah. every day. But you're like, your story is a story of redemption. It, and I think the, and, and forgive me if I'm going off in the wrong area, but I think the Lord's spirit is redemptive. And your story uh, is like inspires me to no end because you had that breakthrough, that transition to this new Tony right. that you get to present yourself to. And I, I just think it's, I think it is awesome. And I, I love this ability to forgive. Mm -hmm. May I share a quick story? Absolutely. 
All right, so um, in in my house, we call we have a, a name for this story, and we call it the perfect storm. So I'm an agency owner, and um, in 2017, we had um, a we had an agency that was just starting come in and poach seven employees. Wow. It was actually my whole video team and people that are going all over the country filming and then the editors, they all got poached. But I'm a captain of a ship. Right. And I can weather one storm or maybe two storms at a time, but what I got hit with was the perfect storm because we had 15 shoots already scheduled on the calendar and 400 videos in production. Wow. It's a cluster F, yeah. right? And so, um, but that's one storm. I can figure that storm out. But at the same time, we also had almost a half million dollars in late payments from billion dollar companies that, that we service. Wow. So now Wendy and I are totally destabilized because we're funding the company. And at the same time, all these employees left and I'm trying to be a good captain and right. be respectful and polite and take honor everybody road. who's yeah. leaving. Take the high road. Because yeah. we're, we're going to, everybody who's going to leave on their last day, we're going to, you know, we're all going to have a drink yeah. and we're going to celebrate yeah. them. Yeah. But I was just destabilized and crushed on the inside. Right. Now, um, long story is we went and decided to, oh, I get like a block from the house on my morning run where I'm supposed to like fire myself up. And I would stop either ready to have a heart attack or crying, right? <laughs> Been so, there. Right. Perfect storm. <laughs> right. So um, Wendy and I, she just kept saying to me, don't quit before the miracle. Don't yeah, quit before yeah. the miracle. Yep. And then we ended up hiring a couple of key people. We rebuilt the team. We made every deadline and not a single client noticed that there was a talent transition. Right. And the other thing is we changed all of our financial terms and now we don't have a single late payment problem. Like I, I haven't been presented with a late payment problem in a couple of years now, but those were essential for me to go through. And then I was walking around with um, anger right. towards the people that left. Uh, left, right. And the way they left, it right. just felt... Like they bailed on you. They felt like yeah. they bailed on yeah. me. And you took it personally because, because you gave them everything you had every day. It took it personally. That's why, yeah. And then um, my wife and I were at church and they were gonna. They were starting to change the carpet that weekend. They're putting down new carpet tiles in the church, or in the church. Okay. And they said, "Please, anybody that you have animosity or anger towards, please write their name on wow. the on the carpet tiles." I'm like writing all these names. <laughs> You're taking up all the carpet. I'm taking up all the carpet tiles. <laughs> and then they, they the next week they were all glued into place. Right. And I didn't think about that until last week when the pastor mentioned the carpet tiles and instantly I realized that when I wrote their names there I relinquished any of the frustration or anger that I've had and it, it was tangible it was beautiful it was tangible yeah and because, then I can move on right right and I can honor them and then right. here's the best part of this story which I've never shared last week a lady who's been following me on social said, "I'd re our company really needs you. Can you come in? I think our marketing guy needs some support but doesn't know it. Would you mind coming in and laying out the strategy and guide us on what we should do? Because I know that you've had freakish results for all these companies. I'm, I'm happy to. She goes, well, why don't, let me tell you, I'd like you to meet with so-and-so. And then I went quickly onto LinkedIn to see who they were. Right. 
And instantly I realized that person is the former CEO of the company that poached all my employees. Oh boy. Right? How do you like that? So oh, I said, boy. I said to her, um, I would be, I'd be honored to come in and help you guys. And because I love serving, yeah. like I legitimately love it. Yeah. And I said, but when my name comes up, please know that there's a backstory and I hold zero animosity. I'm here to love, give, and help you guys achieve your goals and let them know that I'm gonna be there to help lift them up. And what I loved about it was redemption. Yeah, I got the opportunity to show that yeah. I was gonna love on that person right. and get them to the right. next stage instead right. of running them through a crisis. Right, or have them fearing that you're coming in. Right. Because some of them were probably like, oh boy, right. I didn't realize it was this guy that we bailed on. Right, because I can be intimidated right. in that kind of a scenario. I know, I've seen you intimidate me. Right. right. <laughs> so I love that because it's like, those it are is. the stories that we probably never tell people, but they're life transformation. They're transfer and, and they're how you live. It's kind of like, you know, I don't want to say dogma, but it's like, it's how you really approach life. I mean, I don't, I do my best not to wrong people, whether it's small or medium or large, whatever. Why? Because I try to take the high road, but, but even more so what motivates me not to do it is I don't want to have to go back to them a day later or that day and say, I was wrong mm -hmm. for what I said to you. I was wrong for what I did or whatever the case may be. I hate doing that. Right. So that prevents me from doing it. And it's like, that might not be the best motivation. Why can't the motivation be, hey, look, just take the high road. Well, in a way it is taking the high road, but if this is what really deters me, so be it. At least I won't, you know, hurt this person or right. criticize them or, you know, whatever the case may be. Um, but also you're a younger child yes. in the family and your older brother was your your everything, right? Uh, absolutely. Right? Your rock. My mentor, your everything. Mentor, yep. everything. Yep. And I'm the youngest in my family, and uh, I notice that the youngest end up learning how to apologize quicker and make amends and build bridges and try to make friends again. Yeah. And the older ones tend to uh, have a little bit more ego around it. Right. So part of being that younger child is the opportunity to start building yeah. that bridge. Yeah. And it's interesting when you talked about the perfect storm and being like, you know, I can handle one, I can handle, but then, you know, when they start compounding yeah. and it makes me think of in, you know, March 23rd of 95, I admitted myself into drug and rehab in Detroit of all places, right. Detroit, right? And um, I remember my hand hitting that door to open it and at that, that Brighton hospital and thinking to myself, the fun is over. Yeah. And because I was like, I would rather be a boring, sober person than a miserable drunk. Right. And, and you know, I was abusing opiates and all that stuff. And little did I know that that like bottom, that pit of hell, which I would not wish on anybody, right. not anybody, um, was really the biggest asset in my life. Right. Because literally 11 days later, I'm still shaking from detox because of the opiates. I'm still shaking going through detox. I started laughing again. And just about, we were sharing stories because all the inpatient people were just sharing stories or nonsense that we were doing. And we would just, I'd be like, I can't believe I did that or I can't believe he or she did that. Or, and you had everything in there from demographic wise and cultural wise 
I don't. It, it, it was you know people that worked Here's for. What I, found on the web. I love it. Okay, so tell me more. <laughs> yeah, did you invite her to this <laughs> no. interview? So this is my other guest, and <laughs> I'm actually going to turn her off now. You turned her off. I'm not going to turn her on anymore. <laughs> I'm going to turn her off. Um, yeah, you gotta you gotta work on that, Google. Please <laughs> get on that. Please. Seriously, uh, because the phone is turned down and <laughs> shouldn't be happening. <laughs> Anyways. Um, so this is where the concussions come in. Yep. What was I leading on? Leading? Uh, oh, rehab. And the rehab, and right. And the jokes. Oh, right. Laughing. And the demic, right. So we're in a room. Okay, so we'll cut to this part right now. So we're in a room, and we're all, sm not all of us, two of us were chewing tobacco. There were like 28, 30 other people smoking. Yeah. Okay. And we had some time to ourselves because it was a Sunday. And we're telling these stories. And you had municipality workers there, people that ran backhoes for the city of Detroit or, or Flint or doesn't matter, somewhere right. in Michigan. You had pro athletes in there, me, right? You had politicians in there. You had mayors in there. You had, and, and you had tall people and white people and black people and short people and fat people and yellow people. And, and it didn't matter. It didn't, that disease yeah. does not care. It does not discriminate. Right. It doesn't have any agenda except to kill you. And at day 11, and I was like, it, I didn't know I was gonna get sober until four days before I went into the treatment. Four days, it was like I was not on a winning streak. And uh, it was like about six years of a non-winning streak. And I wonder where I keep striking out. So I just got sick and tired of my own BS. Yeah. And four days prior to entering that treatment center, I had no idea I was gonna get sober then i make that decision they don't have a bed for me four days later they say come in they'll have a bed i get in i have a, they have a place for me i'm going to be in there for supposedly 30 days i have no insurance do you sleep on a normal bed now no i mean like oh, back then like, it was kind of big for a yeah. normal bed in a place like that. it was right? it was the biggest bed they had but it was pretty much a normal bed i need to know these things. it was a no it was it was a normal bed okay yeah and and uh there was more passing out and coming to than there was falling oh, asleep and waking okay. up right <laughs> but it was and a lot of shakes and a lot of sweats and all that stuff but at day 11 my eyes were burning from all the cigarette smoke in that room. And I said, I got to go back because it was like a lounge room. And I, I said, I got to go back to my like room. And it was kind of like a cross between a hospital and a dormitory. Sure. So I went back into my room and I sat on my bed and my, just to clear my eyes out and my stomach hurt from laughing. Beautiful. And it was the first time in like 10 years that I'd experienced that feeling again. I forgot about that feeling. Yeah. And I was like, like I didn't, I was like, how do you forget about that feeling, right? Because you're miserable every day. And, and then I thought to myself, I don't, I'm, not, I'm not sure what's going on here, mm -hmm. but whatever it is, Uncharted I'm digging, yeah, I'm digging my nails into it. Right. Because whatever's going on is working. And what I thought 11 days ago that I was just gonna be fine with being boring, I started laughing at 11 days. I'm still in the place shaking and I'm laughing. Right. And little did I know, the best part of my whole life was ahead of me. Right. And, and, and then, you know, the comeback with Indy was crucial for me, um, for some personal slaying, some personal demons and, and, and it like was crucial had, for sobriety. Did you feel like you had a, you had people that you had to prove that you were worthy of their support? No, Okay. I did not. I did not. And when I left that treatment center, I left that 17 days cause I ran out of money mm -hmm. and I didn't have insurance. 
And they were telling me they were going to write, uh, give me an AMA against medical advice, leaving and my insurance wouldn't pay for it. And I told them, I said, I've been paying you cash. Right. You know, there is no insurance. So I left after 17 days. I kind of. And were you out of money because the party was so good leading up to going yeah, to rehab? Yeah, yeah. That it just was like, yeah. like there was, we're making it rain. It, yeah, there was a like little bit of money left. But I mean, if I would have stayed the 30 days, it just would have put more strain on. Yeah. But I was like, at the 17 day mark, it was now a repeat of the last 14 days. Okay. They were, so I was like, I got this. Yeah. I've, I've learned. The bottom line was, as long as I became willing to learn, all you needed to do was show me how to do it. Okay, this is really interesting because when if you if you nailed me down and asked me about my learning disabilities, uh, what the transition was, it was the moment I decided that I was no longer going to play inside those boundaries, and I had to push myself out and say, "I got this." And what I really think in my head is, I decided to turn the light switch on and say, "All right, now I'm." I was playing in the beginning, but the mood all changed. Right, 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 right. And I call that giving yourself permission. I gave myself permission yeah. to do it. And and I use that phrase a lot in life. Yeah. Um, and Because and, I love to hear people's stories and I'm like, somebody will tell me that they did something. And it could be anything from as, you know, uninteresting to people as, hey, I benched, you know, 225 for the first time ever or something that, some company crossed a threshold of revenue for the first time in their existence. Doesn't matter what it is. I'm interested in that stuff yep. because I'm like, that's cool. I want to know, like, how did you do it? Like, what did you do? It's interesting to see that there's a certain amount of fundamentals that go across the board, right. you know, and, and a lot of those successful people have those same fundamentals. One of those that I've really noticed is they have no secrets. They have no secrets about being willing to share with you what to do. And I've met, so there's in my industry with photography, there's certain photographers I'll like contact and be like, hey, I saw some of your pictures and I really like this last one you posted. You do a certain technique that is really cool in post-production in Photoshop. How do you do that if you don't mind me asking? And they're like, oh, I, 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 they're stumbling. They're like, I can't tell you that. That's like my, that's like, that's my, like that's my, my trade secret. secret. Right. Yeah. And I think to myself, okay. I get it, but then I go back, and there's a guy here in town named Paul Marco, uh, lifestyle commercial advertising photographer, who I assisted for eight, eight, uh, 18 months when I first moved here in 04. He taught me so much about lighting and photography and how to work with art directors and just all this stuff. Anybody that asked him anything that was a photographer, he was an open book. Like a fountain. He was like, I will tell you everything I know, whether it's right or wrong, this is the why. So he would tell me I would make his ears bleed from all the questions I would ask, right? <laughs> Second guy, so then, you know, my business got busy enough where I wouldn't assist Paul anymore because I was too busy right. with my own clients. So then I met Joel Grimes, who's, you know, internationally known as not just a composite photographer and a great artist. Yeah, it's a, the composite stuff that you do. It's that's the composite, so right? amazing. So that's directly from Joel, like mostly from Joel Grimes, okay? Because he, I think, in my opinion, and I mean, of course, I'm going to be biased because he's a very good friend of mine. Um, when I approached him and asked him about, well, actually, I didn't even approach him and ask him. I approached him and I said, I really love your work. I think it's so cool. And I love it because it has no boundaries. You can literally create anything that's in your between your ears. 
And I said, this is the route that I want to go. And it's probably one of the hardest routes to go. But if you know how to composite and if you're really good at it, you can do most other photography pretty darn good without having this huge bell curve of learning. If you were a portrait photographer and then they said, okay, now you have to learn compositing, they could do it. There's no doubt they could do it, but it would take a lot longer. I chose the harder way, why it felt natural. Right. I didn't want to be confined. Right. So Joel goes, why don't you, at the time he, he was living in Pasadena, but he was mostly living, uh, had a studio here, went to the University of Arizona, got art degree and, uh, he, he says, why don't you come to Pasadena? And he goes, we'll, we'll spend a couple of days together. And, and, you know, and I'm like, look, I'll pay you like for like a one-on-one workshop. Yeah. And he's like, okay, you know, whatever, let's not worry about that. And I said, okay, you know, we'll just deal with it at the end and spent two days with him. Did a, we did a photo, a photo shoot the first day and then for, for four hours uh, of this one girl. And then he set it all up for compositing and he had her in one, like wear like a one piece bathing suit with goggles, like you would wear in a pool if you were racing. Mm-hmm. Um, then he had her wearing like this long dress with this ginormous hat. It was like a beach hat and stuff. And then we were done with the photo shoot. We broke for lunch and then we sat down at the computer and for four hours, he taught me everything he does. Yeah. And I asked him the question and I already kind of knew the answer, sure. but I asked him the question. I said, Joel, why do you like, why are you like, why are you so open about your techniques? And I knew I had a good idea what he was going to say. And he's like, well, he goes, because everybody's different. He's like, you know, we could photograph the same person with a very similar lighting and the pictures will come out totally different just because of the way you see her or him or the way I see her or him. Mm -hmm. And he said, but more than not, this is why 99.9% of the people won't do the work. And I was like, you're right. You're absolutely right. He goes, you probably will make it. And I say that because you played pro football and you, there's a lot of work to, to pro football. He's like, so you probably will like the work ethic part. I'm not worried about. He's like, it's just the perseverance of year after year, day after day. He's like, because just because you have good work ethic doesn't mean you progress. A lot of movement doesn't mean moving forward, right? You can have a lot of action, a lot of moving parts and be sitting and spinning your wheels in the same place. You have to keep getting better. So I said, well, what am I going to get to like almost this level of where you're at? And he had some hard numbers and, and I'm sure it was like, it's not like the actual number, but he had some good numbers and he said, it'll take about 300 legitimately difficult composites to get in the top, say 5%. Mm-hmm. He said, then it'll take 300 more to get in the top 2%. And which is kind of, and he's a humble guy, very humble guy. And that's, and he's in the top 1% in my opinion. There's some great ones out there. And what are those numbers now that you've gone through and had massive reps, which you've had? I have, and I'm, I'm, I would say between 450 and 500. Yeah. I have a lot of work ahead of me to do. And now I've done a lot. I'm not going to sit here and say it hasn't gotten better. It's gotten a lot better. amazing stuff though. Um, But I go off of like for me the interesting part is the story and what does it convey what does that image convey and it's like people will be like okay you know a lot of people will look at it as artsy fartsy kind of thing or too much emotional and moody and stuff and i'm like no i want to know 
Like, if this is what you're hiring me for, what do you want when people look at it? How do you want it to feel? Now, I don't say that usually. If your company called me and said, we need headshots, yeah. okay? I'd be like, okay, you need corporate headshots, but you're an internet, so you're, you're not corporate, corporate America, but you you fall into a place where it's like, hey, let's doing compositing doesn't fit for the website right. headshots. Well, we set up for it, we do it, we knock it out, we make it look awesome, right? right? So that's, it's just part of that game. But it's like, I always talk when I, talk with people that want shots for their company. And you know, there's so many of the, that entrepreneurs, right? right. Including myself. Right. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's one of the greatest parts about being in this country, right. right? Anybody can do anything if they want to, instead of being a victim or pointing the finger at somebody and saying, it's because of, you know, that person didn't, you know, give me a chance or whatever the case may be. Hard work will take care of everything. Right. It's like, no, you got to grab the bull by the horns and do it at yeah. some point. So I would do it and do it and do it. And, um, I found my, I, just the other day, I found my first composite. And I, I stared at it for five seconds and I closed it. I was like, don't look at that. <laughs> it's bad. Because your eye is so critical it is. that it's you'll very identify critical. the flaws or the inexperience yep. in your technique. And I take all that into consideration, thinking to myself, that was my first yeah. really kind of uh, complicated or not sophisticated, but technical like or, or hard to do composite. It wasn't just adding texture to a background. Tony, if I shared with you my first video, I was on location, Dr. Jay Harness, and um, he's a one of the top breast cancer doctors in the world. And I filmed him, it was in 2007, and everything's green. Like my lighting was all screwy. Right. Like I will never show you that video. And only Dr. Harness knows about it because when we meet up for dinner or something, he'll make a joke about it. <laughs> but that's the evolution. It's like, right. you know, Tony Robbins says that, uh, that uh, repetition is the mother of skill. And yeah. as long as you're committed to being that polishing stone going down the river, man, you're going to get yeah. some great stuff. Your work is phenomenal. Thank you. And it's really cool to watch. I and, I, I, and I think a lot of it, and I, I really do think a lot of it is um, it comes, you know, from my own personal life experience yeah. combined with what does the client want to be portrayed as, right? So getting back to the simplicity of headshots, I'm always saying to people, think approachability, yep. think, you know, w think about if you saw your picture on a website of bios, would you send your mom to do business with that person? Right. That's the question you have to ask yourself. Right. And this goes back to what is the goal? Exactly. And, and throughout all that, you start building rapport, mm -hmm. right? Because they don't think about words like approachable. Not at all. Right? But when you put it in their head, all of a sudden their demeanor changes. And I'm like, look, if you want business, being approachable is part of it. You know, not being standoffish, not, you don't want to look like a badass being a real estate agent. <laughs> You want to look approachable and somebody that's willing to take you house to house to house to, you know, search or, or do the work and do the research and all that stuff. And each demographic has a different, it's different than shooting a CEO of a major company that is so big right. where they have their arms crossed and they're up against the, the wall with the company name behind them. You want to make them look ominous. Yeah. Okay but you don't want to make your local bakery people look ominous. No. Right? So there's all these variables involved and people don't think about this. Yeah. I've had people- well, That's what specialists are for. Exactly, right? right? And it's like, and these are the things, 
it's kind of like the old Michael Jordan thing. It's like I never woke up and wanted to be average. Right. And I don't think that's arrogant. And I don't think that to say that is arrogant. I didn't wake up today and say, I, I didn't say I want to be average. I didn't say I want to be great. But my mindset was, I'm going to do everything I can to maximize this day and get the experiences out of it. Being average, I'm allergic to. Right. And that has gotten me in trouble. Right. And because I've said the wrong things at the wrong times, and that's my own fault. But I would never apologize to anybody for saying, I just want to be okay at doing photography. Right. And, and, and for people that are okay with that, that's totally fine. It's totally fine. I don't judge them for it or anything. As long as you're doing your best, right. you but know. It wouldn't work for you and it, it wouldn't work for me. Right. And exactly. And that's why you're in the position you're in. And that's why your clients are Tony Robbins. That's why your clients are, I believe, Microsoft. I believe these huge charities, uh, I think make a wish or, or there's some other big, big ginormous there. yeah. There's, I mean, the list just goes on. And that's where I sit back and I go, we were meeting at breakfasts and lunches yeah. 10, 15 years ago, right? You had like two employees, a lot of the stuff you were just doing. And then it morphed and morphed and yeah. morphed. And again, it could have been a thousand person company if you wanted it to be, but no, you had a different vision. and you can do it with 20 or 30 employees and still be dominant mm -hmm. and be tier one, what I call tier one in what you do. And, and that's the stuff I love. It's the most fun I can ever have. And going back to the fountain and I know we're, we're close to wrapping. So, but I want to, I think of it like, like you had mentioned talking about your mentor with the composites. I have a gentleman here in our office complex that follows me and he will see me in the restroom and he'll go, dude, you're giving too much of your stuff away. And I look at him and I'm like, I'm not giving enough away <laughs> right. because I honestly feel like a fountain. Right. And every day I teach what I'm learning and I share it freely because I know the cycle. One, it buys my way into followers' minds. Absolutely, People will look at it and if I wasn't like, giving massive value to audiences when I'm speaking, I wouldn't get invited to do other speeches. And they, I, I was with a, uh, a celebrity chef. He said to me, he, was, uh, he cranked out some recipe. And I said to him, um, chef, could I get the recipe for that ceviche that you made? He right. goes, oh yes, it's got the paprika and some cumin. You're gonna have some cilantro and some <laughs> onions. And he's giving right. me, I'm writing it all down. This is amazing. I'm gonna make this for my wife. She's gonna think I know what I'm doing. And then I'm sitting there drinking a glass of wine and guest comes up and goes, and I know this chef really right. well. I've known him for a long time. Guest comes up and goes, excuse me, chef, could I get the recipe for the uh, ceviche? And he goes, yes, it's got, and he doesn't mention, the half of the items. And so she walks away and I go, hey, whoa, get over here. And he walks over to me and goes, yeah. I go, you just gave her a completely different recipe than what you gave me here. He goes, it doesn't fucking matter. If I gave you the whole recipe, you're a moron and she's a moron and none of you can make it the way I do it. And he just walked off and I was like, I thought he was giving freely. And I'm Here you set him on a pedestal. Yes. <laughs> and then I was going to say, well, how much of each thing, right? It's right. like, I mean, yes, how many variables matter. are there, right? It doesn't matter, right? It's like, yeah, yeah. It's like that uh, that story of, you know, 
please bring the chef out here. I want to thank him for what a great meal. And the chef comes out and you ask him, you know, the meal was awesome. What kind of stove do you use? Right. It's like, it's not the stove. Right. It's it's also just like the guy at the gym that wants to know about their right. pecs. Right. right. It's the same I'm doing four thing. sets of eight. Am yeah. I lifting correctly? <laughs> well, it depends. <laughs> There's a lot of variables involved. So it's, uh, but yeah, it is, it is amazing. And then, you know, just recently, um, you're doing a lot of work with Tony Robbins, which yeah. is, I mean, he's been tier one for 30 plus years. That's amazing. And, and, and I've been to a few of his, uh, functions, uh, and the guy is amazing. It's amazing. It's it, on a whole different freakish His level. energy level is off the charts. What I realized is I was working here at our company with the wrong level of energy. And I'm already a guy yeah. who has a high energy, but I was, I needed to up the energy and I noticed other people started upping their energy. Uh. And then we started providing greater certainty in our, the way we were selling and our clients responded to it. Right. And, um, and so, you know, just like everybody needs a little bit and of- And that's a non-tangible. It's a non-tangible. You can't touch it, you can't feel it. Yeah. There's so much value in that. There's, there's so much. But you give too much free. I <laughs> maybe I do, but I, I listen, I, if, I, I love serving right. and that's the fun part no, for me. It fit, for me, yeah, it's like, for me, it's, uh, it fills the void and it's, it's, uh, it helps keep me alive and sober, you know, you know, because when I serve other people, I don't think about me and all my, my, right. you know, things in my head and that are great and all these rights that I have. Right. right. <laughs> so it's like, I, I lose myself in the service of others. doesn't matter. They don't have to be in a 12 step program. It could be anybody. Right. Right. Best, most impactful book you've ever read in your life well you're talking to somebody who struggled miserably with reading or over the, you know i'm okay, to, right, I'm okay right. the reason to, i bring yeah, it up yeah. is i find reading to be a bit of a chore for me mm -hmm. and um but there are a lot of books that have affected my life and the one that the one that i think had the biggest impact is neil donald walsh's book called um, conversations with god yeah and that book is something where I could read one page a day and put it down and then think about it. What I loved about it is, is he, the, the premise of the book is you really don't need a middleman to have that relationship. And if you can develop the conversation, by the time you're done asking the question, the answer will be there. And I loved that because it allowed me to tap into something that I didn't know how to access before. Right. Beautiful. And that's the, if I'm not mistaken, that he's that stuff happened in Phoenix, did it? Um, or no, that's he, well, where he wrote the book. Yeah, I don't. Or did he have those conversations? I, yeah, I don't think it was Phoenix based, but he um, apparently sat down to have a conversation with God and, and started writing started it in writing, his notebook. Right, right, and right. Before he knew it, yeah. he had a whole book. Yeah. And, that's, and isn't there like a part one and a part two? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And there's like a workbook right. and a movie yeah, a and yeah, yeah. so on, yeah. but. Uh, for me, that was That's one of the awesome. best books I ever read. Yeah, but I also struggled with uh, with uh, organized religion as a kid because of my learning disabilities. Mm -hmm. I didn't understand what was being taught because I could barely understand English. Right, and so it, that kind I of I still book, barely understand yeah, English. <laughs> that, that kind of a book was really powerful for me, and I um, thank you for asking. No, it's I, I always want to know because. I've, I've, re I've read that book a few times uh, over the years, and it's, I always am interested to see, you know, which books drive which people, you know, mm -hmm. and stuff like that. So um, how do people get a hold of you? 
I'm on LinkedIn. LinkedIn's okay. easy to get a hold of and me. And WireBuzz. And WireBuzz.com and, uh, and it's buzz, like marketing, right? Yeah. You're creating yeah. buzz. And, but on LinkedIn, I'm dropping knowledge bombs throughout the week because it is my way to help give and help people yeah. get to the next level, and I absolutely love doing it. Yeah, and you do it well. You do it Thank extremely well. Oh, and I've got, well. a, I've got a Toddcast. The Toddcast is Video Marketing Mastery, and you can get that on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. And every week, I'm breaking something down in the world of marketing, but what I'm really doing is I'm telling you how to use it to generate sales faster. Especially like, in today's in today's remote selling yeah, world, like yeah, that is my yeah. um, power alley. Is how do you sell in this environment where you can't physically get your prospects right. in front of your salespeople? The old traditional. How way. do you continue to influence them, develop a relationship, and then move them through a buyer's journey? But also, how do you spy on the back end? Right. So you know With of analytics. all these thousands of people, yeah. who are the ten right. that are ready to buy right now? And once you've configured that out you can start selling to people a lot quicker. So you know which podcasts I've listened to and which ones I have. Yes, I okay. do. Yes. And, um, and then when you reached out to me a couple weeks ago, I already got a notification on my computer that you were on the site. So I was like, oh, what did I do this time? Why did Tony unsubscribe? <laughs> right. But this is the world that businesses need to live in. And, and by the way, if you think that's creepy or that's icky to know, the reality is every site you go to already knows. Yeah. Facebook knows what you're searching. Mm -hmm. They know when you're chatting it up with an old girlfriend. Yep. Like it's all going down for real and yep. businesses that level up to it yep. are the ones that they can turn their salespeople yep. into producers. And are being transparent about it. Totally transparent. That's the key, I right? teach people at the very beginning and I've got some, I'm like, when, when somebody goes through my videos, I will often, if I'm in the process of teaching them or selling to them, right. I will often screen capture their um, viewing and I'll send, it, I'll send it to them <laughs> and I'll, I'll, go, I'll go, see what I just got? Wouldn't right. it be valuable for your sales team if right. they had access to information like right. this? Or your competition. Yes. Yeah, 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 no. And that's why you are who you are and are where your company is today. I'm I mean, just it's a lot of just fun. a spoke in the wheel of yeah. all those spokes. Well, thanks for being on. I like I said, uh, this isn't just about video marketing company. This is about you, who you are, about Wendy. You know, even though she's not here, it's because you guys are, are so much Thank alike. You. And and uh, I appreciate your time. And and you know, I only want people that are interesting, people that are changing the world. That's at the end of the day for me. It's about. Who is making the world better? Or at least giving it their best shot. Because that's what matters. Every, every single person matters. So thanks again. All right, my man. So much fun. Thank you. Thank you to Todd Hartley for listening to One Man's Ethos, the Tony Mandrich podcast. For information on Todd, please visit wirebuzz.com. For information on One Man's Ethos, please visit onemansethos.com and follow us on social media under One Man's Ethos. Also follow Tony on Instagram at Tony Mandrich and on Twitter at Tony underscore Mandrich. You can also check out Tony's photographs at TonyMandrich.com. One Man's Ethos is produced by The Abstract Athlete. For more information on podcasts, events, and subscription boxes, please visit TheAbstractAthlete.com. And as always, follow us on social media under The Abstract Athlete. Join Tony next time when he welcomes Dusty Hanshaw, International Federation Professional Bodybuilder and co-host of its Just Bodybuilding podcast.